Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Nothing but sports podcast, episode 61. This should be episode 62, but my computer crashed last week and I lost the episode that I recorded last week. So that's unfortunate. Anyway, got three things to do or two things to do, and then the NFL picks. We're going to go uh, Kyrie Irving becoming a part time player, and then Urban Meyer fired from Jacksonville, and then the NFL picks. So let's jump straight into it. So, as I just said, it was announced last night that Kyrie Irving is going to be a part-time player, meaning since he's not vaccinated, he can't play at home yet, but he can play on the road. So is this a step to maybe him getting vaccinated and then playing full-time? I have no idea, but this is just really, really weird. I mean, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why this didn't happen earlier unless Brooklyn said no, but this is just really weird because I'm just like wondering how how is he going to get any sort of consistent play in? First of all, because he hasn't played for the entirety of the season and we're approaching Christmas time. So he's probably not going to play at an extremely high level to start with. He'll probably play fine, but he probably won't play at, you know, normal Kyrie Irving standards. And then, you know, there's times where you don't, you play one road game and then you have a five-game homestand or something like that. So I'm just wondering, how is he going to get consistency Playing now, if there now if there's like a five game road trip, then it's easier for him. Uh, will he be in the starting lineup to start with, or in his first game? I assume he will. Um, how's his fitness? Has he been keeping it? I'm assuming he's been keeping in shape, but still, to uh, he'll still might they still might want to manage his minutes at the start because we know how he tends to get a lot of knee and elbow injury and shoulder injuries. So. Will they manage his minutes? That's another big question mark. They haven't. I thought they'd manage KD's minutes a little more than they have, which is why I thought he wouldn't win MVP. But they've completely thrown that out the window, and they've been playing him as much as possible. So I don't know. Also, does he have to? I don't know what the NBA protocols are. Does he have? Does he get to travel with the team if he's not vaccinated, or does he have to travel by himself? That's another interesting thing because in the NFL, if you're not vaccinated, obviously you can still play. But you can't travel with the team and you have to go through extra, you know, uh, quarantining when you get to opposing uh, opposing cities, uh, opposing states and cities. So will he have to do that? Because I don't know what the NBA policy is, because the NBA, everyone is supposed to be supposed or in the NBA. Not everyone is supposed to. You don't have to get vaccinated. It's just because um, just because they play in Brooklyn. So does he does he have to travel with? Can he travel with the team? I assume he would. But then. All of a sudden, if an outbreak happens because of him, then um, then do they have to forfeit? Ga- I I have no idea. This is going to be real. I don't I don't think the NBA is doing forfeiting games, but this is really interesting. I want to see how this pans out and how Kyrie plays. Does he get back to his level? I don't think he'll get back to his full level right away, but um, it'll sure it'll certainly help Brooklyn. Um, they've been ravaged by COVID recently, so they've had to um, so maybe that's a reason why they're letting him go now because. They, uh, they need him since Harden was putting protocols. You know, a couple other guys have been putting protocols. KD has kept them afloat, but it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see Kyrie Irving play. I want to see the best players in the league play. So, you know, I'm, I, I understand that, you know, I, again, I just don't know why he wouldn't get um, vaccinated because he said he doesn't, he's not like, he doesn't have anything against the vaccine, but he doesn't want to get, so I, I don't know. Kyrie's a weird dude. He's just a really weird, weird dude. That's the... Best way to describe him. I don't. He's a strange. He's a strange fella. Um, that's really the uh, the only way to describe him. But yeah, it should be interesting. But hey, if you can get him back on the court, that's huge for Brooklyn. 
but Brooklyn's already looking like a championship, the championship, uh, a championship contender without him. So if they get him back, then they're fine. But you know, you can't ignore what Golden State's doing without Clay, and then what Phoenix is doing now. Uh, Devin Booker should be coming back soon, so that'll help them. So it, it it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the championship. All I'm saying is my finals prediction of Nets versus Suns. That is looking very realistic at this point. I know we're I know we're only about a fourth away into the season, but that is looking very very promising. Anyway, let's move on. That was a bit of a short topic. Now let's talk about Urban Meyer. So Urban Meyer has been canned as Jacksonville Jaguars head coach just after 13 games, and he couldn't even make it through his first season as the head coach. Wow. Um. Again, I don't know why he was hired in the first place. Um, again, like I said, college, I mean, it, I, uh, why, why did Jacksonville decide to take a chance on Urban Meyer? Look at Urban Meyer's resume, okay? He won the two national championships at Florida, but he couldn't control the team. That team is notorious now for the amount of arrests they had. I think over 50% of the roster has ended up in jail at some point in their career. The, and Aaron Hernandez was part of that. Percy Harvin, that was Tim Tebow there. Tim Tebow was one of the only players that didn't get arrested at his time at Florida. So, and they're still trying to clean that mess up. Uh, a lot of players had come out and said that he had been abused, like he, you know, he had pushed the line, had towed the line between hard coaching and just straight up uh, disrespect. And you can get away with that in college because you can intimidate 19, 20 year old kids, but you can't do that in the NFL when they're when you're playing with grown men who have who are making money for their families. You can't you can't do that. So all the red flags were there. Then the Ohio State situation where he covered up his assistant coach's um, domestic violence. Uh, long history of domestic violence, got suspended three games for mishandling it, and basically essentially forced him to retire or step down. And then now he comes to Jacksonville. So all the red flags were there before he got to Jacksonville. And then you look at his tenure in Jacksonville, okay? He first he first uh, hires that um, strength and conditioning coach from Iowa who has all of that baggage as far as assault, uh, I think, as far as uh, all those racist comments. So then he resigns the very next day. Okay, then you're thinking, all right, this is not great. Then in May, they signed Tim Tebow. Now, some people will say, oh, well, Urban Meyer doesn't sign players. That is true. But you cannot tell me that Urban, that that move was all based on Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer has an um, has like a almost father-son relationship with Tim Tebow. So there's, and it was reported that the only reason they did it was Urban Meyer was pushing for it. So he pushes to sign Tim Tebow and have him play tight end, a position he hasn't played since basically high school. Remember, uh, people thought he should be a tight end when he entered the league, but he hasn't played that position in high school. He's athletic, but he couldn't make it in, ma- in baseball, so his athleticism does has limits. And then after one preseason game, he's cut. So you're thinking, okay, why, why did we bring him in there? Um, that's, that's, a little, uh, that's a little questionable. Then week three, they lose to Cincinnati. And he doesn't fly back with the team. Um, I'm sorry, are you not the coach? You have to fly back with the team. That's like your biggest responsibility as the coach. You're supposed to be there on the flights back. And then obviously we find out that why he went to the bar, then you know gets the lap dance on by that girl who's not his wife. And you're like, okay, this has really gotten out of hand. And then to make matters worst, he just has a bunch of terrible apologies I don't know. I didn't. I, I felt like he could have taken more responsibility for it. You know, he was sort of blaming this. You know, the situation and stuff. Where he could have literally all he had to do was just fly back with the team. That whole thing would have been avoided. And then you're thinking, oh god, okay, that's gotten a lot worse. And then throughout the season, you hear these things come out. Oh, he's calling his head, his 
uh, his pl- he's calling his assistant coaches, his coordinators losers. He's blaming them for everything. He's not taking any advantage. And then we ca- and we get the uh, finally the cherry on top comes out that he kicked uh, former kicker Josh Lambeau before a preseason game in a training camp before Lambeau was cut. What? I mean, are you kidding? This is lit- And then you have Trevor. And then now you all, not only that, before you have him benching James Rob- uh, Robinson after a fumble. And I understand. And listen, he's a rookie. You can't just bench him right away if he's one of your better players. You got to let him play. Yes, you can talk to him about ball security and all that stuff in practice, but don't completely bench him. It's not like he did something stupid as far as a penalty is concerned. So that was also really bad. And then Trevor Lawrence comes out and says, you know, he has to play, okay? When a rookie quarterback like Trevor Lawrence is coming out and saying we have to eliminate the drama, you have to let him play, and he's basically openly going against your head coach who you hired to help train and and, uh, manage this guy who is a generational talent, and he is only getting worse under the tutelage of your head coach, he has got to go. Trevor Lawrence has looked worse as the season has gone on, because, and I think mostly it's because of Urban Meyer. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a bust. I just think he's in a horrible situation. And if he can get some stability at the coaching position, I think he'll be fine. Because the Jaguars do have talent. They do have some good pieces around him. And uh, it's looking like they're going to end up with a top three draft pick. So there's a potential they get another big playmaker. So they're going to have talent in the past. But when you have a head coach who's constantly creating distractions outside, uh, um, off the field, who is not making good decisions as far as what personnel to bring in and who to play and who to play and who to help develop and is not developing your players, he has to go. I don't, I don't understand why Urban Meyer got this job in the first place. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, he shouldn't have gotten the job in the first place because the fact that he, and again, another horrible thing as a head coach is you have to, as a head coach, you have to accept, um, you have to take accountability. You know, if you don't coach well, you have to say, you know, some of the, you know, a lot of people are going to blame the players, but, you know, I deserve some of the blame, too. I'm not coaching well. There's a lot of stuff we could do better as a team and all that stuff. Instead, Urban Meyer points the finger, oh, it's not my fault that it, our defense was bad. It was the coordinators. He's a loser. It's not my And he didn't say all this publicly, but he basically is deflecting the blame onto anyone but himself. Okay? And all these, co- all these coordinators are like, hold on. You have no success at the NFL level. We don't give a, a you-know-what what you did in college. We've been, we've been here longer than you, and now all of a sudden you're going to blame us and you're going to you know, blame the players, kick the players, and show them this disrespect when you, this is only your first year in college and um, in the pros and, and, co- and it's a completely different level than uh, college. No, 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 that ain't going to fly. That can fly in college because you're having power over 19 and 20-year-old kids and some coaches who haven't had much success, but then when you get up to the pros and you're coaching 28, 27-year-old grown men who have, who have families and have been in the league in a while, and you're working with coordinators and, and uh, personnel that have been in the league longer than you have, just because you're the head coach, don't mean you can do that. Don't mean. There's a board. I'm all for hard coaching. You know, if you want to, you know, chew out a player for not doing something right or committing a stupid penalty during the game, I'm all for that. If you want to, you know, send someone home from practice for not for some stupid, stupid for starting a fight or being undisciplined, I'm all for that. Hell, um, Phil Jackson kicked Michael Jordan out of practice when he punched Steve Kerr. I'm all for that. But you can't kick the, you, you shouldn't be kicking the players. You can't hit the players, and you can't call your coordinators losers and deflect all the blame 
off yourself. And also, just be so clueless. There was that clip going around where he was thinking, they, were, they asked him about a player, and he was like, oh, I think we got him good development, and he played zero snaps. How clueless do you have to be to do that? Ugh. Makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. I'm, again, like I said, I'm all for hard coaching and being tough on players, but you can't disrespect them like that. And you can't disrespect your coordinators like that. It's just, it ain't going to fly. This was a disaster. This never had a chance at working out. And who the hell knows what Jacksonville situation is now. I don't know who their interim head coach is going to be, but Urban Meyer should have never been hired in the first place. And they just announced they have no intentions of paying him the rest of his contract. Thank God, because he really swindles his way into that deal. But yeah, just a horrible move from the start. All right, let's get into the NFL picks this week. Um, first one, tonight's game kick, uh, at 8.15 here on the Saturday, Colts versus Pats. I'm going to go with the Pats. This is really interesting because both teams have very similar philosophy. We're going to run the football. We're going to run the football down your throats. Everything is going to come off that. I'm going to play good, hard defense. So these two teams are very similar. And I'll be completely honest. I know the Colts are seven and six. If they make the playoffs, nobody wants to see them. Because nobody wants to try and tackle Jonathan Taylor and this uh, with this O-line in December. No one wants to do it. No one wants to do it in the cold weather. Colts are built for cold weather as far as, as, far as running the football. But they're playing New England. And New England's the kings of bad weather. And I'm just going to go with the Pats just because they're, they're red hot right now. They've won. They have the lead in the division. They're playing really good defense. I think they win a scrappy game. I think this is going to be a very good scrappy game. But I think New England... Wins it at the end. Pats get another good win over Indy. But I do think Indy is a good play. If Indy can sneak into the playoffs, they're definitely capable of making some noise and pulling off an upset or two. Next one, Cowboys-Giants. Don't have much faith as a Giants fan. Um, Mike Glennon is starting again, so no Daniel Jones. I mean, in either way, the Cowboys' defense has been great, so expect the Giants not to get much of an offensive rhythm for no matter how well the defense plays. I expect Micah Parsons to dominate with that suspect O-line, so Giants lose and drop to 4-10. and 10. Next one, Panthers versus Bills. Um, I'm kind of starting to give up on Cam Newton. That's the second week in a row he's been benched. After the first week, he played really well against Atlanta. Um, I'm starting to give up on him. The defense is, is taking a downturn. It's not as dominant as it was before. And um, Buffalo, I think, are due for a bounce-back game. Um, they had a tough loss versus um, two tough losses versus New England and uh, Buccaneers, but they did play really well in both. Josh Allen almost basically carried the team. He's going to play. It looks like he's trending in the right direction. So I'm going to pick Buffalo to get the win. It would be crazy if Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs or if they get the seventh seed and it's a wild card game of the Chiefs and the Bills or something crazy like that. That'd be unbelievable. But Bills get the win here. Next up, Cardinals Lions. Cardinals, even without DeAndre Hopkins, who's done for the season, should be back for the postseason. But if the Lions pull off this win, it'll be one of the bigger upsets in the league. They uh, James Conner has been pro- uh, James Conner has been a do it all back for them. I think James Conner has been a very underrated piece in this offense. Uh, AJ Green has been hit by the fountain of youth. He's playing really well, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals to beat the Lions. Maybe the Lions can make it close. They tend to play uh, good teams tough, but no way I'm picking the Lions to beat the Cardinals. Next one: Jets versus Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins here, even without Jalen Waddell. Um, five straight. They're finally starting to look like the team that I said would be underrated in the sleeper team. They're sort of making it a race with Buffalo. Because um, if they and 
they basically have to win out if they want a chance at the playoffs. You can't, it's so hard to, to make the playoffs just drawing one and seven. But they have got their way back into it. Their defense is playing really well. I got a feeling that Zach Wilson's going to have a tough day uh, behind the Jets' O-line because I think the Dolphins are going to bring a lot of exotic blitzes, a lot of scheme pressures, and Zach Wilson's going to have trouble dealing with them. So that's why... I'm going to go with the Dolphins over the Jets here, even if they don't have Jalen Waddle, which it looks like he won't be. They won't because he's in COVID reserve. But yeah, Dolphins over the Jets. Titans, Steelers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Titans here. It's I just can't trust Pittsburgh offense. Pittsburgh's offense because outside because you know they were down. They looked lifeless last Thursday night. You know they were down or a Thursday night when they fell behind in Minnesota, 29 to nothing. And then they got back into it. So. All of a sudden, Big Ben Roethlisberger ends up with a bunch of pile of numbers. But if you really look at it, like, the only reason they got back into the game was for the Vikings stopped running the football. I don't know why the Vikings stopped running the football. If they'd run the football, the game would have been over. And basically, it was been, the game would have never been close in the first place. Um, Chase Claypool doing his dumb, uh, dumb, uh, dumb uh, his stupid stuff. I don't remember. Did Pittsburgh even play last week? I can't even remember because I, I forgot to, because I, recorded the episode last week but um i don't even remember if uh pittsburgh had a game last week let me let me look back did they have a game last week um i don't remember i I, they might have had a bye i don't i don't know i really don't know no they had a bye week so but um yeah i don't have any faith in pittsburgh you also can't trust their run defense that's been really surprising how bad they have been Oh, Kevin Durant just entered health and safety protocols, so that's not good for the um, for the Nets. But anyway, uh, like I said, Pittsburgh's run defense has been terrible. And, you know, even with the Titans, if they don't have Derrick Henry, since they don't have Derrick Henry, they can still run the football pretty well. Can't run it as well because no one can replace Derrick Henry, but they still run it pretty well without him. So that's why I think the Titans get the win here and keep afloat and get to the playoffs. Next one, Texans Jags, the matchup of the two, uh, the basically two of the worst teams in the league. Both teams are two and eleven. I'm gonna go with the Texans here. Um, this is really sort of just a feeling game. I don't know how Jack. I now that Urban Meyer's gone. I don't know. There's still a whole lot of you know things swirling around at why they drafted him with the whole kicking of Josh Lambeau. So I don't know how the Jaguars are gonna respond on the field. Uh, he, and I think the Texans have shown a little bit more consistency. Um, it's hard to pick because both these teams have not shown much. I thought there was a lot of positive signs in the Texans game against Seattle. I know they lost 33-13, but they were in it for a good part of it. Um, Jags really you know, showed some flash of good brightness against Atlanta, but I don't know. I really don't know. This is so hard to pick because both teams have been so bad this year. So I'll just go with the Texans. Because I think they're a little less worse than Jacksonville. Uh, and next up, Broncos versus Bengals. This is a big game. Both teams are seven and six, or the both teams have very similar records. Um, I'm gonna go with the Bengals here. I think they're due for a bounce back. I'm gonna be completely honest. The Bengals really should have won. The Bengals really should have probably won that game in overtime. But for some reason, Zach Taylor decided to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. He got him down inside the thirty. And they just ran the football with the run game, which I'm normally okay with giving it to Joe Mixon, but the run game wasn't working. So I don't know why they just didn't let Joe Burrow cook. And he probably would have found someone in the back of the end zone. Joe Burrow is proving like, you know, he is the guy. He is throwing he, that he threw a clutch dime to Jamar Chase. He's played really well this season. He's had a couple problems with interceptions, but 
besides that, he's played pretty well. Um, so I'm going to go with them to beat the Broncos. Um, just because I believe in Joe Burrow, I do, I do think he's due for a bounce back for a bounce back game. Also, I, I do think a big reason why Joe Mixon wasn't as effective as he normally was was because he was basically sick the entirety of the week at practice. So he didn't get any reps in, and maybe he was recovering from the sickness during the game, so maybe the explosiveness wasn't there. I'm not going to take anything away from the 49ers defense. They played really well, but I do think that had a, a that had that definitely played a role in Joe Mixon being a little less uh, a little less productive than he normally is. So I think having him back after a full week of practice now and being at um, full strength will be pretty good for them. And I think the Bengals get the win over Denver. Who Denver somehow after they're still staying in it, they played teams tough. They they have a good defense, but. We're going to see. I, uh, another thing about the Broncos is just I don't like Pat Shermer as the offense coordinator. He's just not very creative in his scheming. Um, I know as experience with when he coached the Giants, but so I'm going to go with the Bengals to get a bounce back win. Speaking of the Niners, they play the Falcons. Um, I really expect Atlanta, or the 49ers to rush for 200 yards against Atlanta and because the 49ers, you know their philosophy, run, 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 run. And, not, and what can the Falcons not do? What, what's the Falcons' biggest weakness? Run defense. The Falcons cannot stop the run to save their to to really do much. They stopped the well at, run actually well against the um the Panthers, but the Panthers didn't try and run the ball much. Uh, it's so tough. And the thing is with the um with the uh, 49ers, so many different running backs can beat you. Like if you look, Tevin Raheem Mostert went down with an injury done for the season. They've still ran, managed to run the ball effectively, and that's in a large part due to Elijah Mills, uh, Elijah Mitchell. But even the games Elijah Mitchell hasn't played, guys, like they've used Debo Samuel as a running back because he's a tough physical runner. Jeff Wilson Jr. has stepped up. Jeff Hasty has stepped up, all because of this brilliant scheme that Kyle Shanahan has put together as far as rushing the football goes. So even if they lose a running back or two, they're still able to run the ball extremely effectively. It's not like the Titans where they used to be just line up in the I formation and hand it off to Derrick Henry. There's a lot of window dressing, a lot of moving going on. You can even see George Kittle get a, a couple of rushes. Um, it's uh, Jimmy G can um, Jimmy G can also do the QB sneak. So expect the Falcons to have, or the uh, 49ers to have a big day rushing the football. I say somewhere in the 200 to 230 yard yard mark. I think they rush for like 220 yards. Or something, keep Matt Ryan's Falcons offense off the field. Uh, Matt Ryan deserves so much better. Keep him off the field, may, uh, not let him get their rhythm going. Because the Falcons can get rhythm on offense, and that's when they become a little dangerous. But 49ers get the win here and keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, we're going to see uh, maybe another big game for George Kittle because he completely carried him against the uh, the Bengals. But yeah, 49ers get the win because they just cause the Falcons just can't stop the run. Next one, Packers versus Ravens. Um, this would have been a good one a couple weeks ago, but um, uh, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Lamar Jackson is probably not going to play. Even if he did play, I wouldn't pick him to win just because even when Lamar Jackson's in there, the Ravens' offense, it just looks clunky. Like they're lacking continuity. I just feel like there's just too many injuries to overcome, even on the defensive side of the ball. Because when they won 14 and two, when they went 14 and two and won the league MVP, their defense played really well. And a big part of it was because of uh, Earl Thomas, who was there at the time, but Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. That was a big reason why they played so well. And now we hit this point in the season. They're down their top two running backs and Gus Edwards and um, 
and uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. So they found Devonta Freeman, who's been good in the backfield, but the run game is just not the same. So it's been a lot harder for Lamar Jackson. And this is where you really see his lack of, you know, explo- his lack of talent as far as receiving goes. Because outside Rashawn Bateman, you know, yeah, Sammy Watkins is good. Mark Andrews is pro- uh, probably a top 10 tight end in the league, but they don't have a huge explosive playmaker. Like you look at these offenses, where's the, the Devontae Adams, the OBJ type receiver? They just don't have one. So if they, it's just really tough for him. I think Lamar's trying to press do too much. He's thrown a lot of red zone interceptions, which have been really uncharacteristic of him because before he had a brilliant red zone to TD or red zone to INT uh, ratio, pretty good. Um, he had a pretty good ratio there. So, and now you put in Trace McSorley, so he's not going to do any better. Um, and I think the Packers have a good day, you know, with the damage to the Ravens secondary. It's just really hard to see them beating a team like Green Bay. This is a big week for the Bengals because the the Browns, yes, they're playing Tuesday, but we don't, there's still the COVID outbreak. Pittsburgh's not looking good. Baltimore's playing Pittsburgh and banged up. So there's a chance Cincinnati can go top of the, the AFC North after this week. They better not squander this opportunity. But yeah, Packers take down Baltimore and hold their ground, I think, is the number one seed at this point. The Sunday night game, Saints-Buccaneers. Um, this I'm, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here just because Tom Brady's probably the MVP at the end of the season. Got another clutch overtime win against the, the Bills. Um, the, even though they did get gashed in the second half, the defense finally looked like looked, showed shades of what it looked like uh, on that Super Bowl run. So that's a scary sign for because even when their defense has not been good, they've they've still gone ten and three. So it's a scary sign. I think more and more you're starting to see they look like they're going to repeat. I honestly think they will repeat as Super Bowl champions. Um, but you never know because New Orleans somehow always plays Brady and the Buccaneers tough. I don't think Brady has beaten the Saints in the regular season once when he got to Tampa. He got swept last year. He beat him in the playoffs. But then also earlier this season, he lost to Trevor Simeon and then where he threw a pick six. So for some reason, the Saints always wake up to play the Buccaneers. They always play them tough. So I do think this will actually be a somewhat tough game for Tampa Bay, but I do think they come through here um, and they hold their ground, go to 11-3. and I, th- I honestly think we're en route to another NFC Championship game between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Uh, Kyler Murray's been playing great, but just a little too inconsistent. I honestly think it'll be an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, NFC Championship game again, and I'm all for that. Buccaneers over the Saints. Now we go to the Monday night game, the uh, the game that was supposed to happen today at 4 o'clock, the Raiders versus the Browns. Now I, I know the Browns still have probably a little question marks with COVID, but they should die down at least a little bit here and give time for Baker Mayfield and other guys to get cleared. So that being said, I'm going to go with the Browns. Also, just because the Raiders looked absolutely horrid versus the Chiefs. They just looked like a terrible football team. For You know, they gather on the logo. Yeah, let's get in their heads in the first play of the game. They fumble, and then that was basically all they wrote. Too many turnovers. Defense couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes at all. They just went up and down the field on them, which they haven't been able to do much this year against teams. The offense has struggled. And they turned the football over. Derek Carr has been up and down all season. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's underrated. But he just just looks so up and down this year. Um, so I guess I have to go with Cleveland. Also because Cleveland got the big... They almost blew it. But they got the big win versus the Ravens. So all of a sudden, maybe there's some new life and rejuvenation in the building. Uh, I don't know if Stefanski can't, will coach. Um, I think he might have time to clear. So... Uh, that being said, I'm going to go with the Browns just because I can't trust the uh, the, the the Raiders, but never the but uh, you can't really trust the Browns either. So this would be interesting. But 
I'm gonna go Cleveland to win. Next one, Vikings Bears, the actual Monday Night Football game. Um, let's go Minnesota. Uh, really, um, the the game against the Packers last Sunday night for uh for um Green Bay or for um Chicago looked a lot closer than it probably should have been because they're special teams. Uh, um, offense looked fine at times, a couple turnovers, but if you take away the special teams, that game is not even close. Defense, defense just is lacking without Akeem Hicks and, uh, Khalil Mack. Um, secondary's gotten a little weaker, so I think Minnesota's due for another big game offensively. That being said, Kirk Cousins, I think is like one in nine in primetime games, so maybe, maybe the, um, maybe he has a bad game and the, the Bears pull off the upset, but... I'm going to go with Minnesota. Minnesota is still in it for the playoff the the playoff race. They're still there, and I know how inconsistent they are, but if Minnesota sneaks in as a seventh seed with the uh, offensive talent they have with Jefferson Thielen, Dalvin Cook, uh, Kirk Cousins, when he has all those guys, has been pretty good. Even Kel, uh, Osborne, they're a very scary team. So for you know how inconsistent they've been, nobody wants to see them come postseason time. Next, all right, but... So they get the win over Chicago. Next one, the two Tuesday games, Rams-Seahawks. Uh, Rams had a COVID outbreak, had to shut down the facility. A bunch of guys got put on COVID reserve, but they've got extra time now. I think they come through and beat Seattle. I think uh, Daryl Henderson should be activated off the COVID IL. Odell Beckham should be there. Uh, I don't know about Von Miller, but Jalen Ramsey might be able to be there as well. So they're getting their complements of weapons back. And even without Daryl Henderson, Tyler Higby, Jalen Ramsey, they are still able to beat the Cardinals. So they can still beat the teams when they don't have their 100% roster. And Seattle is just tough to judge because in the last two games, Seattle has looked like the old Seattle. But that was against the Texans, and Russell Wilson just owns the 49ers. So I'm going to go with the Rams to win this one. I think Matthew Stafford is... The Rams showed went back to their old offense, ran the ball well, and Matthew Stafford played an unbelievable game. Uh... You know, people always bring up that stat that Matthew Stafford is not good against teams above 500 or winning teams or teams that have more than eight wins. Well, that's because he played for the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions stunk. They stunk besides for a couple seasons. So that stat is a little skewed. I don't like when people bring that up because it's not Matthew Stafford's fault that the team around him just absolutely stunk. Now he's with a good team. And people have been calling them frauds, but keep in mind they beat the Buccaneers week four. Handed them their number one lo- their loss, and now they've beaten Arizona. So I think we can chalk them up as a legitimate team for all those people who didn't believe that they were legitimate. I'm a big fan of Matthew Stafford. I think he's having a brilliant... And even though he struck before this game, before the game against Arizona, he had struggled, he's still having an unbelievable season. Like, if you look at the numbers, they're unbelievable. He's well on pace to throw for over 4,000 yards again, and he's well on pace to throw for probably a good, like, 35, 40 touchdowns. With a decent, uh, with a pretty good ratio of like forty to twelve in the interception to touchdown, with the uh, TD to interception ratio category, so they're having a very good season. So I think the Rams. I don't think they're underachievers. I think they come out, win this game, and uh, get the win. And again, I the Rams. They're just dangerous. They're always dangerous. Sean McVay is a great play caller. Rams over the Seahawks. Um, also, Tyler Lockett. I'm not sure if he's gonna play. He's in COVID. Uh, he got put on the reserve, but I think he should play. But either way, I think the Rams win in a pretty good game in Seattle but or in, in uh, L.A., but um, Rams beats the Seahawks and get the season sweep. Last game, uh, again, on also on Tuesday, Washington versus uh, Philly. I guess I'll go with Philly just because Washington is, all, is also struggling with injuries. Um, Logan Thomas 
Their big red zone guy is done for the season. That's just really unfortunate. I have no idea if Terry McLaurin can clear concussion protocol in that time. And even if Heineke does play uh, with the way the offensive line struggled to deal with Dallas last week, I think they're due for another tough game. Uh, they had their run, got to six and six, but I just don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen. If they pull off the upset against Philadelphia, great. If a team has to win that division, I want it to be Washington. I don't want the Cowboys or the Eagles to win it. I'd love to see Washington be an unlikely uh, uh, repeat champs of the division, but um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to go Philly to win. Uh, Jalen Hurts should play. You know, I've been critical of Jalen Hurts, but Gardner Minshew is not better. <laughs> Let's just be honest, the only reason he looked that good was because he was playing the Jets, and the Jets stink, so yeah. Final game, Eagles over Washington. Hopefully, I can have a good week. Last week, I went 11-3, and and of course, that was the one week my computer crashed, and I lost the episode. That was my best week picking uh, this year, but anyway, uh, that's going to be all for the, this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you again next week.